Wait. All right, we're learning how to uh, use our technology over here. Delete. You already going? I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're live. Hey man, good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Long okay, time coming. I've got my good buddy uh, Dean Gazowski. Uh, how long have we been friends? Like 2002? Was it 2002? 2001 at least. Yeah, 18, 19 years, something like that. So we met in the Amway business. Yeah, I think it was called Quickstar. Quickstar. <laughs> I remember I mean, when that's they old school, right? Yeah, there. it's really old school. They when they when they went to change the name, I was like, no, they can't. They can't call it Amway. It would be like the end of the world. It's, Not it's, Amway again. It's suicide. <laughs> it's business suicide. And of course, girls. whatever. What do we know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so no, here's why I, I bring that up because when 2011 happened. Or, you know, 9-11. 2011, yeah. 2000, yeah. 9-11. 2001. Um, I remember talking to somebody about the business when I was in the auto lot down in Ann Arbor. And I remember an airplane was flying. So we looked up and there was an airplane flying. And we're like, that shouldn't be happening right now. Because like, they were they were in within that like three day or four day however long they the FAA did not allow anybody to fly planes. Yeah, that was a crazy time. It's weird. It was real weird. Like scare tactics. Which I mean, we're gonna get into that later with all the stuff that's going on right now with coronavirus and how that's kind of reminiscent of that time. No doubt. Uh, but uh, before we got rolling on that, I thought. We should, we should tell each other's story. You know, how, how do we, you know, outside of Amway, yes, right. we did that for a long time. Um, but through that, one of the things that happened for me, I, I I worked for a printing company, which was a family-owned business. Yeah. You know how it works. You worked for a family-owned business before, right? Yeah, once upon a time. <laughs> and inevitably what happens with a private family-owned business is the owners get too crazy. And long story short... I'm highly unemployable. I uh, zero tolerance or not, lo- very low tolerance for uh, putting up with garbage. Yeah, so uh, it didn't work out for me. Uh, but we have a mutual friend in Lloyd Odell uh, who reached out to me and said, "Hey, I think you'd be good at real estate." Thanks, Lloyd. Lloyd, this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we'd like to dedicate this episode to Lloyd Odell and the Lloyd Odell real estate team. But if you need real estate, you should call me or Dean. (laughs) (laughs) You need to sell your house cash. We need to talk quickly. (laughs) We love Lloyd. We're right up until... He's a nice guy. If you want to do some business, well, then, like, okay. Which is exactly the reason why these family businesses uh, just have trouble. Like, like when people are selling houses and there's estate sales and situations like that, they just, you know, they fight over money because they've, you know, here's an opportunity for me to get rich and... You're like, it's only 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to discount the fact that, you know, it's 30 grand, it's 30 grand, but like, it's only 30 grand. I don't know about you, and we're going to talk about, you know, our respective roles within the real estate, uh, you know, the industry as itself. But for me, I've often said I am dealing with some of the dumbest people making the biggest financial decision of their life. And it is chaos. You mean like other agents? Uh, no, I'm talking about the the whole the whole shooting match. These people that want to get rich, and their idea of getting rich is getting four thousand dollars. Yeah, it's wild. 
And you're like, ah. Well, it's I, a big mindset thing, right? Had a had a, a 22-year-old that was looking to buy their first home. Sure. Awesome. But they were getting ready to file for bankruptcy because they had debt. And I was like, okay, how much debt do you have? And I got a credit card. It's like $1,800, and I don't know if I'm ever going to pay that. So you just, you're like, what? I kind of cock my head. I'm like, is it? What? Really? Is this happening right now? Did, who told you? Or, like, how did you get to the point where you thought, I need to file for bankruptcy and all the bad things that happen from that and the long-lasting impact that will have on your life for filing for bankruptcy? Over $1,800. Come on. Well, short-term for short-term decisions for, like, the long-term repercussions. Um, I don't know, big big story there. But so there's so many people out here that just don't know our history. Let's lay out a little bit more of that. So you, you, you got started in printing. Um, yeah. you, you went to real estate, thanks to Lloyd. Yep. And now, where are you at? How long have you been in the real estate business? Uh, it'll be eight, eight years in <clears throat> two months, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, a long time. It feels like a lifetime. It really does. <laughs> we say that. But I remember getting started uh, kind of fearful, mid-30s. You're doing a con- total career change. Uh, the best part for me, though, and, and I don't know if you feel this way, but when I was working before, I always had a sales position where I got paid you know, a small, meager salary, and then right. I got paid commission on the things that I sold. And honestly, my mindset has always been, this is how I got started in the Amway business back when I was 24, 25 years old. Uh, it, it's not because I loved the Amway business. It, I couldn't think of anything better to do. I liked the idea of being able to be uh, self-sufficient when I got older, that I was building something now that I could rely on later. Yeah, you caught the dream for being free. That's it. You know, I want to be able to create income ongoing from my efforts now, which I think everybody talks about when we get into, um, you, you know, Kiyosaki or you're moving from the, the S quadrant or the E quadrant over to the I or the, the business and owning a business, you can do that. Um, but, you know, getting, growing up, you know, I met a ton of people. So I don't bash, you know, the Amway business at all. I have nothing bad to say. In fact, the only reason I don't have it today is because I went through a divorce. And in the divorce, I had two businesses. And the ex wanted the Amway business. I, I there, don't know why. Well, she yeah. never did it. Whatever. That's neither her nor there. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, um, learned a ton of skills. Ton of ton of ap- applicable skills to apply in the real estate industry, leadership, uh, organizing. Yeah, public hey, speaking. Hey, right? like public speak. But how about when you're doing a listing presentation or a buyer consultation when you're sitting down with somebody? Mm-hmm. Gosh, it reminds me a lot of showing people how to make money in Amway, doing a business plan, showing showing the plan, right? How are you going to relate it? Okay, okay. And, and if you sit down with us. I mean, it's, <clears> there's, if people didn't know. They, they would, you know, if I sat down with you and you called me up and said, hey, come sell my house and you weren't in real estate and you sat down and you'd be like, Dayton, are you for real right now? <laughs> <laughs> or you come watch me teach a class. The success leaves clues, right? You'd be like, you know? wow, I feel like I'm at an info session. And a lot of it just translates over. Uh, so fortunately for me, I didn't necessarily have to start all over in my mid-30s. I found a better vehicle for me. 
mm-hmm. that has produced a lot of money for my family. Um, and now being remarried and having a kid, uh, it's it's exciting to be a part of that. Now I took a branch. The the pursuit that I took was building a team. So you know the Dayton group of realtors has uh, you know six agents that you know are representing all of Southeast Michigan. And I do leadership stuff, and I run a team, and I help people do deals, and we're doing residential sales. So we help people buy a home or sell a home. Sometimes we'll get into helping people buy investment properties, but a lot of times I defer on that. And um, our tagline is getting people to where they want to go in the time frame they want to get there. Okay. So now here I am. At least you got a tagline. I got there, yeah. yeah. (laughs) They came natural. And actually, because I literally thought, like, what is it that we really try to do? Because there's agents out there that just want to do a transaction. Sure. They're just about, like, how many listing appointments did you go on? How many buyers did you work with? How, where are we at? How well, many that, that's, such a super, that's such a superficial, uh, I mean, okay, yeah, like, you got to break down your numbers. We get that. But when, when folks are jockeying for position, like, who's the best in the office for how many listing appointments have you been on or... Uh, what's the biggest dollar house that you've you've sold or whatever the situation is I think you need to figure out and here's like so where our two businesses diverge we were partnered up in real estate once upon a time and that just I mean I think we realized quickly that that which just was not gonna happen I wouldn't even say we were partnered I mean it was like two months and we're like yeah we got two different ideas and thankfully it didn't get into you know any we didn't get down the road well, like some of these family situations that, you know, family businesses and, you know, you got, uh, you know, legal teams involved and man, it can get really messy really, really quick. <clears throat> but anyhow, here's where I'm going with that is that you've got two different businesses that are, you know, in, in the real estate business, you can, you can pick a completely different specialty path than the next guy. You know, yeah. so you're, you know, one person wants to be the million dollar listing agent. Go right ahead, pal. I'm going to figure out to make that same million dollar commission off of a $100,000 house. And that's great. If that's what you want to do, you can go ahead and do that. If you want to go pursue whatever you want to refine your skills to become, that's the beauty of this this business. Well, aren't right? you fascinated at our colleagues, though, that, you know, not so much when we're talking to the consumer interface, but when we talk, to, talk amongst each other, how much ego driven it really is. Like, I'll get asked, Literally, I'll get asked, oh, what was your volume last year? How's your business? How, how many listings have you got? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, how is that anywhere near important to what our mission is or what I'm trying to accomplish, which well, is what, what should people. The, what should the question be? Like, are, are you happy in your business? Or yeah, are, are you, you like, ha- yeah, are you happy? Hey, what's a great thing? You know, uh, you got a family story you can help, you know, share or something, something that's more than, hey, what's your numbers? That's the equivalent of like, hey, how big's your dick? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know? You know I was just think, just thinking that. All right, you know, like how big is your bank account? Yeah, same like, thing. How much money do you make a year? Well, okay, let's go to the Gary Vaynerchuk route. Like, you know, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Are you happy? There's people that make forty thousand dollars a year that are happy. There's people that make three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year that are not happy. Okay, that takes us to an interesting. You know, so let's ask this question right now, because. In business, we're always in pursuit of the dollar bill. All right, what's right. that dollar bill provide for you? It, you know, it's going to provide freedom if you treat it properly. 
You can turn it into rental properties. You can buy businesses. You can pursue cash flow. Um, you know, however you're, or or you can just work for however many years you want to work, and then just keep working and let Social Security pay for you, and maybe live off of a four hundred one k. But what's like the why, the big why? What's your why? What are you spending your time doing? Because I think this is what it boils down to. It's such a complex, like, what's what's your why? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea what my why is. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to want to be free. I want to be financially free. But what are you doing when you're financially free? I think that's the why. What consumes your brain? Yeah. Other than the obvious things like, you know. <laughs> you got to sit on a bag <laughs> and eat Cheetos every day? Like yeah, a beanbag in the corner? You're going to look playing, at the beach, you know, <laughs> swing on that God, tree? I got to be number one in Call of Duty worldwide. That's my goal. Hey, and if that's you, maybe God bless you. Maybe you can I'm not sure who's that. better off. I, I guess you know, for me, uh, you know, and you and I are both Christians, so uh, and have grown together in our Christian walk and faith through the years. Uh, surrounding that, you know, our beliefs is that what are we doing to help other people? What are we doing to uh, to you know? Not that I anybody can nobody gets to judge me. Right. On whether or not what I'm doing or how I, you know, uh, live my life. I'm not talking about that, you know, because I firmly believe no one's God. You don't know. The answer is you don't know. When you die, you'll find out. Uh, and, and until then, I just do the best that I can to feel like what my interpretation of what God's love for us is, is that that exudes out of me and other people see evidence of that in my life. Okay, so how do you how do you even determine what God's love looks like? Well, yeah, I mean, great question. And you spend time in the Word, right? I mean, yeah, and that's that's the answer for me is you know personal study, you know, listening, seeking out other people who have um, extensive experience, you know, preachers, pastors. Um, it does. It doesn't have to be uh, anything miraculous. Sometimes the most amazing things happen. When you don't even expect them to happen. Well, and that's where perspective comes into play. There was a conversation that happened while we were down in Branson getting ordained, um, which is kind of. Uh, anyhow, they they were saying that. Yes, congratulations. Um, by the way, I meant to well, tell you that. Is congratulations in order? I'm like, yeah, you know, I I told you I, did it. I don't. <laughs> I did it. Congratulations. I'm like, uh, I don't know that I want to tell anybody that. Why? Um. Because everybody's like, "Well, congratulations!" Oh, and I told somebody the other day, like going through a new construction model. I said, "You know, I just got back from Nigeria, and she thanked me like I was served in the armed forces." Oh, thank you very much for going overseas and you know spreading the gospel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah, your delivery needs work, lady." I mean, I'm, my delivery always needs work. Um, but we're talking about. Uh, Re- refresh the comment. So you you, you made a comment about. Um, I think that thought might be gone. That actually, <laughs> so I was going to bring up Branson in in um, something that uh, was mentioned from stage. I hope it comes back to me a little bit later. But anyhow, let's let's keep moving with this. So what's your story? I mean, so you got mine. I'm I'm in real estate, you know, residential sales, a building a team model, uh, looking to expand. But you took a different approach. Uh, we figured out pretty quickly that you have expertise in maybe the investor side of things. Uh, you've been very successful at buying uh, homes, fixing them up, 
flipping them and selling them to a family for you know end use there. But also you've, you've got some properties, I think, along the way too, where you've cash flowed them. And so that whole model, why don't you expand on that? How did you get into that? And what do you love the most about it? Well, it sounds a little cheesy and cookie cutter, but it started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All right, you learn how to cash flow a property. You know, and there's a story where Kim Kiyosaki, Robert's wife, um, was he was jogging through a neighborhood. Kim ended up finding this house that was for sale, and she decided that she could rent it for a positive cash flow of $25 a month. That was their first investment property. I would never do that. I would never, ever do that deal. Because the numbers, I mean, there's no wiggle room. Absolutely no wiggle room there. But the story stuck with me. You know, our first investment property we purchased was in 2011, a duplex over in Livonia, still at what we can call a bottom of the market. You know, there's a, so the, the, there was a dip in the market, 2008 um, market uh, values of, of homes. They just, they plummeted between 2008, 2012, depending on your areas. Even some uh, areas started to climb back up in late 2013. But you could find some deals right there in that neck of the woods, that time frame. We purchased this house 2011. We're able to reap the tax benefits for all of 2011. We closed on the, uh, 2000, or excuse me, uh, December 30th. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was great. It was a cash flowing duplex, which means that there were two long-term tenants, both one-bedroom units, and places on a slab, I think it cash flowed like maybe $1,250 a month. And when it's $80,000 cash flow, those numbers worked. So we were able to automatically, and here's the point, with, with cash flow, if you're going to leverage the property, which, you know, if you're looking to hedge against inflation, which inflation's on the way, whether you realize it or not. Oh, yeah. If you're going to take a loan against the property, your monthly payment and your taxes and insurance are going to be less than what that property produces on a monthly basis, then it's a good decision. And it checked the boxes. We went ahead and purchased the property, and that was our first investment property. So for those of you that are looking to invest in real estate, that's that's key. Your overhead has got to be shadowed well, what, by, by your production, right? What about the fear of like, what if something goes wrong? So oh, is, oh yeah. I mean, it's still there. Okay. I mean, you still like, I'm like, oh, there's always hesitation. But the one thing you've got to digest and, and live by is if the numbers work. Now, there's a spreadsheet. There's, there's numbers that you need to calculate. But if the numbers work, you do the deal. You figure out a way to get the down payment money. Maybe you use somebody else's cash. Maybe bring them in as a partner. People are doing it on apartment buildings all the time. Syndications. So how many, how many uh, do you still have that property? I still have that one. So you still have the... the I've, sold, I've sold the single families because of where I believe we're at in the market. No, That's for an investment portfolio because we've, we've done well on those. But for your own personal home, it's still a good time to buy. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think so. Interest rates are insanely low. The Fed's trying to... You know, what you so you understand economics fairly well, right? That's my background. Okay, so right now, interest rates are really, really low, and this that's not a sales pitch to you know, you know, come buy a house. 
Although if you need to buy a house, come see us. Um, <laughs> there's the Fed borrows from the Treasury. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, basically, what they do is they offer up uh, Treasury bonds. Okay. So when you hear people talking about, I'm going to buy a Treasury bond. There's a 10-year and a 30-year. Okay, and bonds are debt. Yeah, basically, it, the government is borrowing money from the citizens uh, and offering to pay back a um, an interest rate. Okay. Uh, and so when, when that interest rate is high, uh, that the citizens can buy these bonds and they're going to get the money, you know, and people feel that those are very safe investments because you're talking about a government, you know, what is the likelihood that the United States government goes bankrupt? Well, the world reserve currency. <laughs> Gold? Well. That's a whole other topic. Uh, but in terms of that, that, they wouldn't be able to satisfy repaying the bond debt. So will, will they... It's low. Either, yeah, exactly. Yes, it's yes. incredibly low. So, and that's what they call consumer confidence. So, what people get hung up on is they talk about the national debt, and oh my God, we're in trillions of debt. We are. We are. That's a fact. It's a true story. Um, but you have to almost put it in terms that people can understand, because one of the best examples I ever saw, uh, it was a few years ago. But it, it revolved around the question of the healthcare, and this is a hot topic right now. Healthcare should should uh, healthcare be a uh, United States of America citizen right? Okay. Like, do you have the right to go have healthcare? Uh, and there's an argument because if you say yes to that, then you have to figure out how do you pay for it. Right. So one side says we absolutely have to have universal health care there's no reason that we shouldn't we can absolutely afford this and that's because they know that the country's worth uh you know a lot of money but i'll use round num i'll just you know i don't have these in front of me right yeah uh, just well just make up a number so, so hundred thousand dollars say, say they're the country's worth um a uh, hundred trillion okay okay 100 trillion all our assets everything we're worth a hundred trillion that's their portfolio yeah that's their portfolio now they have debt of i think it's like 7.1 trillion okay so you say well i've got a hundred trillion dollars i'm worth i owe 7.1 i can pay that anytime i want i can you know snap my fingers and i'm debt free can i afford health care for all the citizens the answer is yes. 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 So the left, the Democrats, that's the side that says that. They are correct. You can. Now the other side of it comes into the cash flow side. Because now you look at, yes, we're worth $100 trillion. We'd like to stay remaining worth $100 trillion Because you're, what you're talking about is we're going to be $7 trillion in debt. But we only are bringing in $2 trillion in taxes. And we're costing out seven trillion. We're going to add to that now. Let's say the healthcare would move that number up to ten trillion, but we're only bringing in two. So now we're negative eight trillion per year cash flow, which then adds to the so then then deficit, you go right. So now I'm spending more than I'm making. To put it in terms, like if you're in your household and you spend more than you make, 
Are you in a good financial position or a bad financial position? Well, you're probably like the guy earlier in the conversation that you said, hey, I'm filing bankruptcy off my $1,800 right. credit card. I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And so now th that's what the right says. Okay. The Republicans say, we cannot afford this because we don't make that much money. Mm -hmm. And are they right? Yes, they are. So now you have two scenarios that are the exact same and both sides are right. Right. Correct. And that's why it's very violent. And like people fight and get heated because I'm right, I'm right, and they get in your face. Well, how much of that is people not being able to communicate properly? It's all and of because it. That's now, all of it. now you want to fight because you disagree with me. Now I'm going to punch you in the face, and now we're forever going to have this family feud that's going to go on generations and generations. And yeah, because the rhetoric after that is, well, now we have too much greed. You know, because we should be able, you know, healthcare is important, our quality of life versus the greed of keeping, you know, 100 trillion in this example mm -hmm. uh, under our portfolio. And when is enough enough versus practical application of health? And those are real, real questions that we as a society need to answer. And ironically, one of the biggest focal points is real estate because real estate is one of the biggest determiners of the wealth. The value of the land here in America is extraordinary. Well, and then you start talking about the electoral college and the property owners, and you see those big maps with you know the concentrations of population and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's yeah. So let's not get in the weeds, as I don't think we have time for it today. I mean, maybe, maybe for episode five or six that we do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get you back. I don't know that we really talk about this. Um, all right, so. Adding to the asset column, the government needs us to borrow, which is why interest rates are low. The government's yeah. always going to give you incentive to do what they want you to do. Yeah, but when the interest rates get cut, so in this case, we lost over 50 basis points just this week on the 10-year treasury. It's under 1%. It's close to half a percent. So what that does on the 10-year treasury yield, that lowers your interest rates directly on your mortgage. So the mortgage companies, how much, because they're the ones that are borrowing, you know, FHA loans, uh, the prime lending, it's all based off of that treasury yield note. And so when that goes down, the interest rates go down. And then what that does is it creates a great opportunity for people to refinance. Uh, I mean, last time I checked, we're at, I was quoted by one of my friends, 3.25% on a 30-year fixed. That's insane. So slow down and think of like people go, well, oh, that's a lot of numbers. Yep. I want to borrow $100,000 and I'm going to have to pay 3.25% on that money. When the national, when the average for borrowing in this, in this world, the borrowing in the mortgage world the average is seven and three quarters percent, seven point seven five percent. Okay, where does that number come from? That comes from doing a historical search on what the average interest rate is over, over the last hundred years. Okay, hundred years. Because I was just going to mention that back in two thousand eight, the, the rates were somewhere in the neighborhood of like nine and a quarter or something weird like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember they dipped down to like six in two thousand three and four. They got you know they came down from seven mm -hmm. to six, but then they went back up. You know, the markets crashed, things happened, uh, and they went back up to 8%, 9%. So you got these people now, uh, 
what it does is when you when the rates go down, the borrowing uh, rate goes down. It allows people to afford more home. They can it's the same amount of money. If I had you know a hundred thousand dollars to play with, maybe now I can go buy a five hundred thousand dollar home when definitely more buying power. Yeah. So one of the things on the campaign trail right now and. I didn't originally plan to even have this end of the talk, but the student loan debt. Yeah. Sure. All right. This is a big elephant in the room. You know, the Bernie Sanders supporters are like, hey, we need to get rid of this debt. My big question is, why? Well, what happens to the people that already paid that debt? So here's what what's, my... what's the rebuttal from on that end? So, you know, it's funny because Elizabeth Warren got herself in a lot of trouble. Uh, recently, before she dropped out of this case, mm-hmm. uh, a gentleman approached her and said, I have a question. Like, so you're proposing under your plan we could eliminate student loan debt and get a fresh start? He's like, and she's like, yeah, yes. And he goes, okay, so just help me understand this. Would mine, would I get reimbursed for the amount that I paid? And she says, well, no. And he goes, so to be clear, my my neighbor who didn't do anything didn't stay up late didn't work hard didn't work extra shifts to put his kid through college gets his completely wiped out because he borrowed money and i who did stay up late worked extra shifts saved my money cut my costs and did all the things and sacrifice so that i could pay my daughter's tuition so she could come out without having that debt she is now on equal playing field with a person who didn't sacrifice. How is that fair to me? That's a valid question. So, so yes, it is. What was her response? She got up and walked away. Okay, so if you're running from the for the office of the president of the United States, you, you should have a response for this. I don't know what the response is. The response is, you're right. This is a stupid policy. <laughs> okay, and we, and we need to we need to revisit it. Because what the issue is, is the, the debt for, <laughs> the real issue is, is that people believe that they somehow have to go to college and they have to incur debt in order to do it. Which is absolutely that. not the case now. And we all know, and it's been proven, I mean, my goodness, my brother-in-law is an electrician. He's, a, he's now a foreman and works in the union and didn't go to college. And you know so what? We're probably not going to talk money, but I bet you he does fairly he does well by the way. He does very well. He does very well. And you know what? He doesn't have a debt load. And he knows how to handle his stuff. And he's way ahead of these people who go, why would you go to school if you don't know what you're going to do, go do and you're just going through the motions and you're borrowing money? You go because it's what you're told to do. Yeah. You think that's what you're supposed to do next. Mm-hmm. And it's ludicrous. But then it's even more ludicrous. It's like doubling down on the crazy to say, okay, yeah, no, we're going to wipe that all away. We'll let you have a fresh start. Okay, so let's stop with that. Let's talk about universal basic income. Oh, boy. That's a, actually a very fascinating concept. Uh, What's your take on it? You know what? Um, so as I begin to dive into this topic, I can see how it can be appealing. All right, so we're going to give you, each and every American, whether you work or not, $1,500 a month. We're just throwing that number out there. Yeah, I think Andrew Yang said 1000 Okay, who's like the big proponent of this. So. Okay. Um, so here's your allowance 
Now you get to use that allowance for paying your bills, buying a car, paying your health care, or whatever necessities you think that you've got, you got to have mm-hmm. in life. I think where the hang up comes, if we can somehow, which I it's like it's like the case of getting rid of the IRS. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, but somewhere over in Europe, they have a basic income just to help the economy start moving. One of the arguments that they're making with this UBI is that Art, Art Van being a perfect example. Okay, yeah. Wayfair is a company that they can point the finger at saying, this company put us out of business. Well, it's also changing in the times. All right, we're we're shifting to an online purchasing society. That's the reality, right? And if you don't change to reality, you suffer the consequences of your lack of change. Okay, so we need to think past this. Here's a quick story. Last time I was in a Taco Bell, the <laughs> the employee, <laughs> yeah, Taco Bell, Taco Bell. I enjoy being burrito just like the best of them. <laughs> Sorry. The the employee comes up and he says. Oh, you got to come over here and place your order. Here, what do you want? You want a bean burrito? He starts put. He places the order for me. You're programming yourself out of a job, pal. Ugh. Okay. Now somebody still needs to make the food until the burger machine starts plopping out burgers. Right. I mean, it's only a matter of time before it's very, very. It's automated. I think I saw automated. one with a pizza. There's a pizza vending machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. So, so it's there. Here's what happens. All these people are going to be left with jobs, and it's one of the. Uh, I don't know if it's a, one of the baseline argument is the right thing to call it, but everybody's going to be out of job and we need to have some sort of income coming in because everybody's still going to have bills. Unemployment can't pay for everything. So give me universal basic income and now you can go ahead and train for your education. So basically, the, what it all translates to in my world is inflation. Your property values are going to go up if you're a homeowner because the government's going to print more money that's going to make the money worth less, mm-hmm. which will make your assets worth more. Now, here's 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 the part that I think is the most fascinating part about it. And it's almost going to come full circle in this podcast of when we started. Remember our Amway days, buddy? Yeah. How many times did we end up in front of somebody who's what I would refer to as broke AF. Yeah, all the time. All the time. And what are we coming with? We're saying, hey, here's an opportunity. You know, A lot of times what happens is people get in bad spots because they don't have an opportunity. They don't have a vehicle. They don't have a way to make money. They just sit there and go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So we would show up. And yeah, it might not have been the best method. I mean, gosh, Amway, you know, we could could talk all day about that, whether or not it's good or bad or whatever. But it was still, at the core root of it, it was an opportunity to buy and sell products and make money, profit. This is an opportunity for you to become a business owner and make money. Yes. Built in. Anybody can do this at any time. In America, you can do anything. You can start buying and selling products. You can go to garage sales. You can pick up products. You can sell them on Craigslist. You can sell them on eBay. It's the same concept, except for Amway had you know specific product lines. It was built in. It was like a business built in, ready to go. But how many times did we sit in front of people and they go, oh, I can't make that much money. I'll lose my benefits. Which is another tie down for universal basic income. 
All right, you're going to get this. Like for for what they're talking about. Yeah, it's literally designed. I started looking at it and going, wow. So because if somebody did that, so let's say they start a a home business. Right. They start making some more money, but there's that gap where they start making enough money, they lose their benefits, their welfare. Yeah. And now they're no better off than they were before, except for if they had a UBI in place of welfare and they never lost it, it incentivizes them to actually get out of that situation and be more productive. It doesn't punish them, which in turn, in theory, makes the economy stronger because there's more people being productive. And plus the taxes have got to get paid, yada, yada, all all this stuff down the road. They're now producing and... The you know the cycle continues. I can see the case for it. I don't know that I would. Here, fully transparent, I could be swayed to support something like that because I see, I see where it could go. However, knowing the society in the way that uh, people act, uh, they're going to ask for more, and they're going to ask for more. They're not going to be able to manage their fifteen hundred dollars a month. Then they're not going to have health care coverage. Then they're going to ask for more right. and more in, in just so discipline, right? Which is why people don't ever become financially successful or financially stable or even be able to follow through on a 60-month car payment without defaulting in many cases. Yeah. You know, it's discipline, right? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that. But it's also teaching. You know, we could go down the rabbit hole of... Um, the public education system. Well, you're creating employees. <laughs> I mean, I just posted a thing on Facebook about this math thing. You know, my I have a oh, 10-year-old daughter, yeah, yeah, right. and she's doing long division math. Uh, and she's like, Daddy, I want to show this to you. And and I'm like, what in God's name is I mean, I can't even follow it. It makes no rhyme or reason. And now, I did not come out and hammer. If you read my post, I did not hammer Common Core Math. I asked for insight, right? Because it's clearly here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. I don't know what the reason is either. I can't figure it out. And so I have five thousand followers on Facebook from all across the country, and I just put it out there. And I put a picture of the math problem, which was like three divided by you know, you know, into five thousand, right? Whatever it was, and I did my problem literally in twelve seconds. Granted, I'm a 43-year-old, and I'm really smart with math, so I can do it fast. Now I, I would reach for the calculator. I, I, Yeah, okay, well, we're actually doing the real math here. <laughs> so then I have Kiki do it, and it took her seven minutes. And this long explanation, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like rounding up the numbers, thousands, adding, doing else. And I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, there's a lot of opportunity for error here. Okay. And the longer it goes on... You know, and we know this from doing real estate transaction. The longer a real estate transaction goes on, the more likely something's going to go wrong. Right. So let me ask you about the the length of time and the effort, the the thought effort that goes into that Common Core math problem. Do you believe that they are tr- the the government, whoever who, sets who, this who, up, yeah, public whoever, education? Okay, so public education is training these kids to think a different way. Well, that, the, yes, and I want to know what why, that is why? and why. Why? Because it doesn't seem efficient and it doesn't seem effective. Now, I could be wrong, and I'm, I'm just waiting for someone to... I've know, not... I've, I've followed it. No, yeah, I got like 50 comments, and 100% of the comments were like, this is stupid. 
We don't know why it's Okay, like this. so we got to get past this, the fact Correct. that it's stupid, because now that's, you know, the, okay, the fact the ostriches put their head in the sand, which <laughs> they don't, but we're going to talk about it because you're just going to ignore the problem. Right. And now what? Now we just, we got to understand at this. At the core of it, so if you do a, a UBI, I mean, part of this has to come with some strings that I'm more likely to do a UBI than I am to guarantee healthcare. Mostly because I just fundamentally don't believe in enslaving professions. You know, for me to say you are guaranteed of the right to healthcare means that there has to be a doctor who studied, stayed up late, worked hard, passed their boards, and now they're being dictated to that they have to do something. And anytime we do that in America, I'm very Well, you open the conversation with, you know, I'm very unemployable with the family business. You start telling doctors... In, and there's there's a healthy person. amount of ego in that profession. You not only do you have to see this person, but here's how much you're going to get. Right. Wow. I imagine that the quality of care will, pro- even though you've got this oath and everything else, quality of care, it, it could go down. I'm not going to say. How, I, I'm not how long would it be before housing's a healthcare or housing's a right? It's an American right to have housing. And you and I, as real estate agents, we have to go work with these people. And oh, by the way, we don't get to tell them what we charge. We, we get a blanket amount from the government. Right. That is not freedom, my friend. No, it's not. Anytime you get into uh, enslaving another person's skill, talent, and ability, and that's what it is, and I use that word very specifically, and nobody wants to be enslaved. That's not what freedom is. Anytime you do that, we're losing our freedoms, and it's ridiculous. And if you don't do what you're told... You go to jail. Or are you going to get sued? Yeah. When's, when's the last time you got sued? I have no, I have no comment at this time. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> what I've learned about lawsuits is anybody can sue anybody. That doesn't make them right. Absolutely. Um, well, that's a that's a good segment point for an advertisement. <laughs> yeah, right there. Um, this podcast brought to you by Dylan and Dylan Attorneys. Law, law firm. <laughs> Dylan Dylan Law firm. <laughs> Anyway, wow. uh, you know, it just comes down to having skill sets, too. Like, learning these things. And I, I'm like, why are we teaching parallelograms when we could teach people how to pay taxes? How to balance the budget? I had one class in high school that taught personal finances and how to manage checkbooks. And you know what? I still, I would never, I, I still, I don't know how to balance a checkbook. I have my wife do that. <laughs> Or I would have my accountant do that. Shout out to Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I love you. Uh, but you've got these... Okay, let's talk about the uh, the elephant, the uh, monkey, the fish, all standing in a row. And the test is climb this tree. Who's going to do the best job? That's going to be the monkey, the because fi- the fish and the elephant right. can't do it, right? Yeah, isn't it Einstein who said that? If you keep telling the fish that they're stupid because they can't climb a tree that they're going to think they're stupid yeah something like i've that. not studied them uh, but you know i think that that's that's worth going in and, and diving into some of the classics and in, in learning well, one of the best parts about america is the fact that we allow people to quote find themselves and pursue their passions and ultimately that's resulting in the economy that we have which is allowing people to do what they want to do and provide a living instead of steering them. From an entrepreneur type standpoint, capitalistic type of uh, a scenario rather than the liberal arts student that just goes to school forever and 
I'll, I'll just stop there. Right. <laughs> um, you got to produce, right? You got to figure out a way to produce. Well, I mean, at the end, I mean, when you're starting out, I think that's the problem. A lot of people in in uh, that I've run into have this fundamental glitch where they think that they confuse entitlement with uh, their responsibility. You are responsible for yourself. What's the difference? Like entitlement versus responsibility. Entitlement is somebody else is going to take care of this for me. I'm entitled to this benefit, whatever it is. Okay, so let's let's stop right there, real quick, because I made I just made the mention of not balancing a checkbook. Right. I'll have somebody else do that for me because yeah. I've not trained my brain to learn how to do that, or I just don't want to do it, and I want to provide a job. Right. But you still got into a relationship with someone who cares and loves for you uh, to the point that they're willing to offset that skill and allow you to go do what you're really good at, and they do what they're really good at. Yes. Yeah. I so yes. And you got a relationship. In this case, yes. it's a marriage. Yep. Right? So... That's being responsible, not feeling entitled. Now, if you decided, like, I just don't want to do this, and I don't care, you know, be damned the consequences, that's irresponsible and going to cause a burden on, essentially, the rest of us. See, the other part I have a problem with, uh, the entitlement part of it, is um, what if... What if the healthcare thing goes in and we all have to pay that mandatory, like, I'm not paying for healthcare... For the rest of the country, we're all contributing. Okay, with the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, that, that's whatever. Right. Okay, got it. And whatever they end up calling it, if somebody gets elected and says this is my idea, and everybody, it's now a right. We're gonna have your taxes. We're all gonna pool in, and we're essentially gonna be all on the same situation. You know what? I'm gonna call bullshit on the people smoking because that we know causes lung cancer. That we know causes problems. You can't do that now. Now I'm taking away your freedom to choose to be an idiot. Which America is the greatest country in the world because you can be an idiot. And how do you, how do you police that? And then you're going to start exactly. putting people in jail for smoking or whatever. A yeah, slippery slope, I mean, like, right? It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Like, what, what if you see somebody who's fat? Like I'm not exactly, I'm not in bad shape, but I'm not in great shape. Mm-hmm. I have high blood pressure. I'm getting a higher blood pressure even talking about this topic. So we're going to go ahead and penalize you because Because of now, that? now because of my choices, because maybe I have a bad day and I want to go, you know, tie one on and I'm going to go get drunk. I remember the first time I heard that term was... Tie in, one on. <laughs> tie one. You, went, you went and tied one on with the boys last night, didn't you? Why? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? But yeah, I mean, you get, you get hammered and now you're being irresponsible. We have penalties for people who drink and drive. Right. Uh, but imagine opening that up tenfold. Just oh, now you are a health, you know, you're a health risk. If you don't do what we say, you're going to be penalized. And because who the of hell it. is we? Exactly. I, I asked that in school once, and I couldn't get a straight answer. Who are, who are they? Coach uh, Detter was who his are name. They? they they say the uh, American Heart Association. They say I said who are they? Who are these people you talk about? Anyhow, anyway, uh, so I, I just think. It's a slippery slope going down that road. Well, controlling others. That's right? what it's all about. You've got a daughter. Yeah. You tried to control her before? How's that work it out? It never goes well. Never works out. I tried to brush teeth last night and that didn't work out. How about you ever tried to control your spouse? Yikes. Okay, good luck with that. Do what I say <laughs> or else. Yeah, it doesn't hey, work do out. Do what I say, not as I do. 
Well, oh, that's Congress. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, <laughs> or or else we're going to fill your life with fear. Yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Let's talk some predictions. Let's future cast for our audience. Okay, right now the Dow. Down a thousand sixty-four. It's twenty twenty-three nine and it's fluctuating. Twenty-three nine hundred and it's fluctuating. It's been down what seventeen percent roughly over the past. It was at uh, its peak, what three weeks ago? Twenty-nine thousand points. Yeah, it, it never broke thirty. Never broke it. Twenty-nine. Well, like twenty-nine five. So you're down quite substantially. You're down at least seventeen percent in three weeks. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a shift. Is it? I mean, is it that, or is it the fact that people are freaking out about this virus, coronavirus? They're they're buying all type. I did. I swear. Like so, I walked through the mire uh, probably a week ago when we first started to hear about. Hey, you need to stockpile your stuff. And the Charmin. There was other brands of toilet paper, but the Charmin was gone. <laughs> now I don't know if that's a vote for uh, confidence for this brand. Or if it was the fact that these shipping containers, I've got a very smart uh, uh, person on on my Facebook feed that comes up from time to time, and he mentioned that if you have any uh, like commercially available goods that you need that you're in love with that you enjoy, you need to buy this stuff because shipping is starting to stop. It takes me back to the day when we were in the downturn, 2008, 2009. I would drive by this shipping container yard on 96, basically 96 in Greenfield. There's a shipping container yard, and that yard was basically empty. Oh, now nice. you've got containers that are you know stacked, you know 50 containers long and then four containers high. Um, but all those containers carry goods that we have that we consume, whether it's canned goods from China or. A lot of stuff comes from China. Let's just call it what it is. China. China. <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow, the Charmin was basically non-existent on the shelf. So people were in a panic. They were shutting them. They were canceling school. They're ha- that's happening right now, right? Yeah. Uh, what did you just say? U.S. I just saw that you? Michigan State uh, canceled classes in person and now is hosting online sessions only. How much of this is just a test to see? What happens if Bernie Sanders wins? Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that, but how they can keep us in our house. It's a mandatory do not drive, do not go to the stores today or whatever for online. Like, let's just move to online shipping right now. Start your Amway business and let's go ahead and start start building it out. Call Dean today. Call me. We'll get you set up here. Uh, 248-765-4748. Thank you. But yeah, no, I mean, so the media is trying to control us, right? If the stock market's freaking out, like the stock market jumped uh, when, and I don't know, a thousand, let's call it a thousand points because that's easy to happen in a day right now. The other other day, the market just completely shut down. They stopped trading, but the market jumped a thousand points the other day because it was Joe Biden that took a couple primaries as opposed to Bernie Sanders. And as we know, Bernie Sanders is campaigning for, you know, basically giving everything away. And 
the healthcare stocks rose because oh, thank God he didn't get he didn't get the vote. <laughs> Biden's our best case scenario, and that's how this stuff has got to operate. We have no control over it. It's one of the things I like real estate. Oh, another quick. Let me get off in this rant real quick. For those people out there that are out there on their Facebook posts saying, "Oh, while the stock market is tanking, my real estate portfolio is one hundred percent." Well, guess what, guys? You're next. Because if this doesn't get handled and people don't start thinking properly, property values can. I mean, we're, the cruise ship is making its U-turn. That's why I sold my properties over in Hazel Park. Yeah. Now, I don't think the market's going to crash. And if you need to buy a home, buy a home. Buy something that makes sense. But be smart with your money. If the moral of this whole conversation is educate yourself, form your own opinions, think for yourself, filter it through a brain cell, execute. I couldn't have said it better myself. That was inspired, man. Bam. Boom. I've enjoyed hanging out with you, man. This has been good. Yeah, we should do it episode two. We should. Any last thoughts? No, no. Just, you know, so, yes. Actually. No, no. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> now that you're poking me with this pride, this cattle pride. I gave Dean the, he gave me the no, I kind of cocked my head one way, and now the other way, and then I gave him the bug eyes, like, hey, give me something. Listen, you've, you've got, you don't, you were not created with a spirit of fear. All right, you got to understand that. You're not here to be controlled by fear. There's people out here that are ultimately looking to control you. Okay, we just talked about controlling the spouses and controlling the kids. Don't fall into that trap. For those of you that have ears to hear, understand what I just said. There's people out there that want to control you. Think for yourself. What else can I say? Pray. Pray. Spend time in the Word. Be led by the Spirit. Awesome. Thanks for being on, man. You got it. Catch you next week, fellas, and uh, over and out. Delete. All right, we're learning how to uh, use our technology over here. Delete. You already going? I'm going, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're live. Hey, man, good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Long okay, time coming. I've got my good buddy, uh, Dean Gazowski. Uh, how long have we been friends? Like 2002? Was it 2002? 2001 at least. Yeah, 18, 19 years. Something like that. So we met in the Amway business. Yeah, I think it was called Quickstar. Quickstar. <laughs> I remember I mean, when that's they old school right Yeah, there. it's really old school. They when they when they went to change the name, I was like, no, they can't they can't call it Amway. It would be like the end of the world. It's not it's, Amway again. It's suicide. <laughs> it's business suicide. And of course girls. whatever. What do we know? Right, yeah. Um, so, no, here's why I, I bring that up. Because when 2011 happened, or, you know, 9-11. 2011, yeah. 2000, yeah, 9-11. 9-11, um, I, I remember talking to somebody about the business when I was in the auto lot down in Ann Arbor. And I remember an airplane was flying. So we looked up and there was an airplane flying. And we're like, that shouldn't be happening right now. Like cuz they were they were in within that like 3 day or 4 day however long they the FAA did not allow anybody to fly planes. Yeah, that was a crazy time. It's weird. It was real weird. Like scare tactics. 
which, I mean, we're going to get into that later with all the stuff that's going on right now with coronavirus and how that's kind of reminiscent of that time. No doubt. Uh, but uh, before we got rolling on that, I thought we should, we should tell each other's story. You know, how, how do we, you know, outside of Amway, yes, right. we did that for a long time. Um, but through that, one of the things that happened for me, I, I, I worked for a printing company, which was a family-owned business. Yeah. You know how it works. You worked for a family-owned business before right now once upon a time <laughs> and inevitably what happens with a private family-owned business is the owners get too crazy and long story short i'm highly unemployable i uh zero tolerance or not, lo- very low tolerance for uh, putting up with garbage yeah so uh, it didn't work out for me uh, but we have a mutual friend in lloyd odell uh, who reached out to me and said hey i think you'd be good at real estate thanks lloyd Lloyd, this one's for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) We'd like to dedicate this episode to Lloyd Odell. And the Lloyd Odell real estate team. But if you need real estate, you should call me or Dean. (laughs) (laughs) You need to sell your house cash. We need to talk quickly. (laughs) We love Lloyd. We're right up until... He's a nice guy. If you want to do some business, well, then, like, okay. Which is exactly the reason why these family businesses uh, just have trouble. Like, when people are selling houses and there's estate sales and situations like that, they just, you know, they fight over money because they've, you know, here's an opportunity for me to get rich and... You're like, it's only 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to discount the fact that, you know, it's 30 grand, it's 30 grand, but like, it's only 30 grand. I don't know about you, and we're going to talk about, you know, our respective roles within the real estate, uh, you know, the industry as itself. But for me, I've often said I am dealing with some of the dumbest people making the biggest financial decision of their life. And it is chaos. You mean like other agents? Uh, no, I'm talking about the the whole the whole shooting match. These people that want to get rich, and their idea of getting rich is getting four thousand dollars. Yeah, it's wild. And you're like, uh, well, it's I, a big mindset thing, right? Had a had a, a 22 year old that was looking to buy their first home. Sure, awesome. But they were getting ready to file for bankruptcy because they had debt. And I was like, okay, how much debt do you have? I got a credit card. It's like $1,800, and I don't know if I'm ever going to pay that. So you just, you're like, what? I kind of cock my head. I'm like, is it? What? Really? Is this happening right now? Did, who told you, or like, how did you get to the point where you thought, I need to file for bankruptcy, and all the bad things that happened from that, and the long-lasting impact that will have on your life, for filing for bankruptcy, over eighteen hundred dollars. Come on. Well, short term for short term decisions for like the long term repercussions. Um, I don't know. Big big story there. But so there's so many people out here that just don't know our history. Let's lay out a little bit more of that. So you you, you got started in printing. Um, yeah. You you went to real estate thanks to Lloyd, yep. and now where are you at? How long have you been in the real estate business? Uh, it'll be eight, eight years in <clears throat> two months, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, a long time. It feels like a lifetime. It really does. <laughs> we say that. But I remember getting started uh, kind of fearful, mid-30s. You're doing a co- total career change. Uh, the best part for me, though, and, and I don't know if you feel this way, 
But when I was working before, I always had a sales position where I got paid, you know, a small, meager salary, and then right. I got paid commission on the things that I sold. And honestly, my mindset has always been, this is how I got started in the Amway business back when I was 24, 25 years old. Uh, it, it's not because I loved the Amway business. It, I couldn't think of anything better to do. I liked the idea of being able to be uh, self-sufficient when I got older, that I was building something now that I could rely on later. Yeah, you caught the dream for being free. That's it. You know, I want to be able to create income ongoing from my efforts now, which I think everybody talks about when we get into, um, you, you know, Kiyosaki or you're moving from the, the S quadrant or the E quadrant over to the I or the, the business. And owning a business, you can do that. Um, but, you know, getting, growing up, you know, I met a ton of people. So I don't bash, you know, the Amway business at all. I have nothing bad to say. <clears throat> in fact, the only reason I don't have it today is because I went through a divorce. And in the divorce, I had two businesses. And the ex wanted the Amway business. I, I there, don't know why. Yeah, she yeah. never did it. Whatever. That's neither her nor there. <clears throat> yeah. But at the end of the day... Um, learned a ton of skills, ton of ton of ap applicable skills to apply in the real estate industry, leadership, uh, organizing. Yeah, public <laughs> hey, speaking. Hey, right? like public speak. But how about when you're doing a listing presentation or a buyer consultation when you're sitting down with somebody? Mm -hmm. Gosh, it reminds me a lot of showing people how to make money in Amway, doing a business plan, showing showing the plan, right? How are you going to relate it? Okay. okay. And, and if you sit down with us, I mean, it's, it's, there's, if people didn't know, they, they would, you know, if I sat down with you and you called me up and said, hey, come sell my house and you weren't in real estate and you sat down and you'd be like, Dayton, are you for real right now? <laughs> <laughs> or you come watch me teach a class. The success leaves clues, you'd right? You'd be like, you know? wow, I feel like I'm at an info session. And a lot of it just translates over. Uh, so fortunately for me, I didn't necessarily have to start all over in my mid-30s, I found a better vehicle for me mm -hmm. that has produced a lot of money for my family. Um, and now being remarried and having a kid, uh, it's it's exciting to be a part of that. And now I took a branch, the, the pursuit that I took was building a team. So, you know, the Dayton Group of Realtors has, uh, you know, six agents that, you know, are representing all of Southeast Michigan. And I do leadership stuff, and I run a team, and I help people do deals, and we're doing residential sales. So we help people buy a home or sell a home. Sometimes we'll get into helping people buy investment properties, but a lot of times I defer on that. And um, our tagline is getting people to where they want to go in the time frame they want to get there. Okay. So now here I am. At least you got a tagline. I got there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they came natural. And actually, because I literally thought, like, what is it that we really try to do? Because there's agents out there that just want to do a transaction. Sure. They're just about, like, how many listing appointments did you go on? How many buyers did you work with? How, where are we at? How well, that, that's, such a super, that's such a superficial, uh, I mean, okay, yeah, like, you got to break down your numbers. We get that. But when, when folks are jockeying for position, like, who's the best in the office for how many listing appointments have you been on or... Uh, what's the biggest dollar house that you've you've sold, right. or whatever the situation is? I think you need to figure out. And here's like, so where our two businesses diverge, we were partnered up in real estate once upon a time, and okay. that just, I mean, 
I think we realized quickly that that which just was yeah. not going to happen. I wouldn't even <laughs> say we were partner. I mean, it was like two months, and we're like, yeah, we yeah. got two different ideas, and thankfully it didn't get into you know any. We didn't get down the road. Well, like some of these family situations that you know, oh. family businesses, and you know, you got uh, you know legal teams involved, and man, it can get really messy really really quick. <clears throat> but anyhow, here's where I'm going with that: is that you've got two different businesses that are you know in, in the real estate business, you can you can pick a completely different specialty path than the next guy. You know, yeah. so you're you know one person wants to be the million dollar listing agent, go right ahead, pal. I'm going to figure out to make that same million dollar commission off of a hundred thousand dollar house. And that's great. If that's what you want to do, you can go ahead and do that. If you want to go pursue whatever you want to refine your skills to become, that's the beauty of this this business. Well, aren't right? you fascinated at our colleagues though? That you know, not so much when we're talking to the consumer interface, but when we talk to talk amongst each other, how much ego driven it really is. Like, I'll get asked, literally, I'll get asked, "Oh, what was your volume last year? How's your business?" How, how many listings have you got? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, how is that anywhere near important to what our mission is or what I'm trying to accomplish? Which well, is what, what should people. the what should the question be? Like, are, are you happy in your business? Or yeah, are you, are you like, ha- yeah, are you happy? Hey, what's a great thing? You know, uh, you got a family story you can help. You know, share or something something that's more than hey, what's your numbers? That's the equivalent of like, <laughs> hey, how big's your dick? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you, know? you know, I was just thinking, just thinking that. All right, you know, like how big is your bank account? Yeah, same like, thing. How much money do you make a year? Well, okay, let's go to the Gary Vaynerchuk route. Like, you know, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Are you happy? There's people that make forty thousand dollars a year that are happy. There's people that make three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year that are not happy. Okay, right. that takes us to an interesting, you know. So let's ask this question right now, because. In business, we're always in pursuit of the dollar bill. All right, what's right. that dollar bill provide for you? It, it you know it's going to provide freedom if you treat it properly. You can turn it into rental properties. You can buy businesses. You can pursue cash flow. Um, you know, however you're, or or you can just work for however many years you want to work, and then just keep working. Let Social Security pay for you, and maybe live off of a four hundred one k. But what's like the why, the big why. What's your why? What are you spending your time doing? Because I think this is what it boils down to. There's such a complex, like, what's what's your why? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea what my why is. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to want to be free. I want to be financially free. But what are you doing when you're financially free? I think that's the why. What consumes your brain? Yeah. Other than the obvious things like, you know. <laughs> you're going to sit on a bag and eat Cheetos every day? Like yeah, a beanbag in the you, corner? You're going to look playing, at the beach, you know, swing on that God, tree? I got to be number one in Call of Duty worldwide. That's my goal. And hey, and if that's you. Maybe. God bless you. Maybe. You can I'm not sure who's that. better off. I, I guess, you know, for me, uh, you know, and you and I are both Christians. So, uh, and have grown together in our Christian walk and faith through the years. Uh, surrounding that, you know, our beliefs is that. What are we doing to help other people? What are we doing to, uh, to you know, not that I anybody can nobody gets to judge me right. on whether or not what I'm doing or how I you know uh, live my life. I'm not talking about that, you know, because I firmly believe no one's God. You don't know. The answer is you don't know. When you die, you'll find out. Uh, and until then, I just do the best that I can to feel like 
what my interpretation of what God's love for us is, is that that exudes out of me and other people see evidence of that in my life. Okay, so how do you, how do you even determine what God's love looks like? Well, yeah, I mean, great question. And you spend time in the Word, right? I mean, yeah, and that's that's the answer for me is, you know, personal study, you know, listening, seeking out other people who have um, extensive experience, you know, preachers, pastors. Um, it, does, it doesn't have to be uh, anything miraculous. Sometimes the most amazing things happen when you don't even expect them to happen. Well, and that's where perspective comes into play. There was a conversation that happened while we were down in Branson getting ordained, um, which is kind of... Uh, anyhow, they, they were saying that... Yes, congratulations, um, by the way. I meant to well, tell you that. Well, is congratulations in order? I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I told... You I, did it! I, don't, <laughs> I did it, congratulations. I'm like, uh, I don't know that I want to tell anybody that. Why? Um, because everybody's like, well, congratulations. Oh, and I told somebody the other day, like going through a new construction model, I said, you know, I just got back from Nigeria and she thanked me like I was served in the armed forces. Oh, thank you very much for going overseas and, you know, spreading the gospel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, your delivery needs work, lady. I mean, my delivery always needs work. Um, but we're talking about... Uh, Re refresh the comment. So you, you, you made a comment about, um, I think that thought might be gone, that actually. <laughs> so I was going to bring up Branson and in, in, um, something that uh, was mentioned from stage. I hope it comes back to me a little bit later. But anyhow, let's let's keep moving with this. So what's your story? I mean, so you got mine. I'm, I'm in real estate, you know, residential sales, a building a team model, uh, looking to expand. But you took a different approach. Uh, we figured out pretty quickly that you have expertise in maybe the investor side of things. Uh, you've been very successful at buying uh, homes, fixing them up, flipping them, and selling them to a family for you know end use there. But also you've, you've got some properties, I think, along the way too where you've cash flowed them. And so that whole model, why don't you expand on that? How did you get into that? And what do you love the most about it? Well, it sounds... A little cheesy and cookie cutter, but it started with rich dad, poor dad. All right, you learn how to cash flow property. You know, and there's a story where Kim Kiyosaki, Robert's wife, um, was he was jogging through a neighborhood. Kim ended up finding this house that was for sale, and she decided that she could rent it for a positive cash flow of $25 a month. That was their first investment property. I would never do that. I would never, ever do that deal. Because the numbers, I mean, there's no wiggle room. Absolutely no wiggle room there. But the story stuck with me. You know, our first investment property we purchased was in 2011, a duplex over in Livonia, still at what we can call a bottom of the market. You know, there's a, so the, the, there was a dip in the market, 2008 um, market uh, values, of, of homes, they just they plummeted between 2008, 2012, depending on your areas. Even some uh, areas started to climb back up in late 2013. But you could find some deals right there in that neck of the woods, that time frame. 
We purchased this house 2011. We're able to reap the tax benefits for all of 2011. We close on the uh, 2000 or excuse me, uh, December 30th, and you know it was, it was it was great. It was cash flowing duplex, which means that there were two long term tenants, both one bedroom units, and places on a slab. I think it cash flowed like maybe $1,250 a month, and it was $80,000 cash flow. Those numbers worked. So we were able to automatically, and here's the point, with, with cash flow, if you're going to leverage the property, which, you know, if you're looking to hedge against inflation, which inflation's on the way, whether you realize it or not. Oh, yeah. If you're going to take a loan against the property, your monthly payment and your taxes and insurance are going to be less than what that property produces on a monthly basis, then it's a good decision. And it checked the boxes. We went ahead and purchased the property, and that was our first investment property. So for those of you that are looking to invest in real estate, that's that's key. Your overhead has got to be shadowed well, by, what, by your production, right? What about the fear of like, what if something goes wrong? So oh, is, oh yeah. I mean, it's still there. Okay. I mean, you still like, I'm like, oh, there's always hesitation. But the one thing you've got to digest and, and live by is if the numbers work. Now, there's a spreadsheet. There's, there's numbers that you need to calculate. But if the numbers work, you do the deal. You figure out a way to get the down payment money. Maybe you use somebody else's cash. Maybe you bring them in as a partner. People are doing it on apartment buildings all the time. Syndications. How many, how many uh, do you still have that property? I still have that one. So you still have the... the I've, sold, I've sold the single families because of where I believe we're at in the market. No, That's for an investment portfolio because we've, we've done well on those. But for your own personal home, it's still a good time to buy. I mean, yeah. I think so. Interest rates are insanely low. The Fed's trying to... You know what? You so you understand economics fairly well, right? That's my background. Okay, so right now, interest rates are really, really low, and this that's not a sales pitch to you know you know come buy a house. Although if you need to buy a house, come see us. Um, <laughs> there's the Fed borrows from the Treasury. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, basically, what they do is they offer up uh, Treasury bonds. Okay. So when you hear people talking about I'm going to buy a Treasury bond. There's a 10-year and a 30-year. Okay, and bonds are debt. Yeah, basically, it, the government is borrowing money from the citizens uh, and offering to pay back a um, an interest rate. Okay. Uh, and so when, when that interest rate is high, uh, that the citizens can buy these bonds and they're going to get the money, you know, and people feel that those are very safe investments because you're talking about a government, you know, what is the likelihood that the United States government goes bankrupt? Well, the world reserve currency. <laughs> Gold? Well. That's a whole other topic. Uh, but in terms of that, that they wouldn't be able to satisfy repaying the bond debt. So will, will they... It's low. Either, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. It's incredibly low. So, And that's what they call consumer confidence. So what people get hung up on is they talk about the national debt. And, oh, my God, we're in trillions of debt. We are. We are. That's a fact. It's a true story. Um, but you have to almost put it in 
terms that people can understand. Because one of the best examples I ever saw, uh, it was a few years ago, but it, it revolved around the question of the healthcare. And this is a hot topic right now. Healthcare. Should, should uh, healthcare be a uh, United States of America citizen right? Okay. Like, do you have the right to go have healthcare? Uh, and there's an argument because if you say yes to that, then you have to figure out how do you pay for it. Right. So one side says we absolutely have to have universal health care. There's no reason that we shouldn't. We can absolutely afford this. And that's because they know that the country's worth, uh, you know, a lot of money. But I'll use round num. I'll just... You know, I don't have these in front of me. Right. Yeah. Uh, just well, just make up a number. So, so hundred thousand dollars. Say, say they're the country's worth a um, uh, hundred trillion. Okay. Okay. One hundred trillion. All our assets, everything, we're worth a hundred trillion. That's their portfolio. Yeah, that's their portfolio. Now they have debt of, I think it's like seven point one trillion. Okay. So you say, well. I've got a hundred trillion dollars. I'm worth. I owe seven point one. I can pay that anytime I want. I can, you know, snap my fingers and I'm debt free. Can I afford healthcare for all the citizens? The answer is yes, yes, yes. So the left, the Democrats, that's the side that says that they are correct. You can. Now the other side of it comes into the cash flow side because now you look at. Yes, we're worth a hundred trillion. We'd like to stay remaining worth a hundred trillion, because you're what you're talking about is we're going to be seven trillion in debt, but we only are bringing in two trillion in taxes, and we're costing out seven trillion. We're going to add to that now. Let's say the healthcare would move that number up to ten trillion, but we're only bringing in two, so now we're negative eight trillion per year cash flow. Which then adds to the so then then you go right? so now I'm spending more than I'm making to put it in terms like if you're in your household and you spend more than you make, are you in a good financial position or a bad financial position? Well, you're probably like the guy earlier in the conversation that you said, "Hey, I'm filing bankruptcy off my eighteen hundred dollar right." I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And so now th- that's what the right says. Okay. The Republicans say we cannot afford this because we don't make that much money. Mm-hmm. And are they right? Yes, they are. So now you have two scenarios that are the exact same, and both sides are right. Right. Correct. And that's why it's very violent, and like people fight <clears throat> and get heated because I'm right, I'm right, and they get in your face. Well, how much of that is people not being able to communicate properly? It's all and of it. because that's now, all of it. now you want to fight because you disagree with me. Now I'm going to punch you in the face, and now we're forever going to have this family feud. That's going to go on generations and generations. And yeah, because the rhetoric after that is, well, now we have too much greed, you know, because we should be able, you know, health care is important, our quality of life versus the greed of keeping, you know, $100 trillion in this example mm-hmm. uh, under our portfolio. And when is enough enough versus practical application of health? And those are real, real questions that we as a society need to answer. And ironically, one of the biggest focal points is real estate. Because real estate is one of the biggest determiners of the wealth. The value of the land here in America is extraordinary. Well, and then you start talking about the electoral college and the property owners, and you see those big maps with 
you know the concentrations of population and stuff like that and (laughs) yeah i mean that's yeah so let's not get in the weeds because i don't think we have time for it today i mean maybe maybe for episode five or six that we do (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure we'll get you better i don't know that we really talk about this um all right so adding to the asset column the government needs us to borrow which is why interest rates are low the government's yeah. always going to give you incentive to do what they want you to do. Yeah, but when the interest rates get cut, so in this case, we lost over 50 basis points just this week on the 10-year treasury. It's under 1%. It's close to half a percent. So what that does on the 10-year treasury yield, that lowers your interest rates directly on your mortgage. So the mortgage companies, how much, because they're the ones that are borrowing you know, FHA loans, uh, the prime lending, it's all based off of that treasury yield note. And so when that goes down, the interest rates go down. And then what that does is it creates a great opportunity for people to refinance. Uh, I mean, last time I checked, we're at, I was quoted by one of my friends, 3.25% on a 30-year fixed. That's insane. So slow down and think of like people go, well, oh, that's a lot of numbers. Yep, I want to borrow $100,000, and I'm going to have to pay 3.25% on that money. When the national, when the average for borrowing in this, in this world, the borrowing in the mortgage world, the average is 7 and 3 quarters percent, 7.75%. Okay, where does that number come from? That comes from doing a historical search on what the average interest rate is. Over, Over the last period. 100 years. Okay, 100 years. Because I was just going to mention that back in 2008, the, the rates were somewhere in the neighborhood of like nine and a quarter or something weird like that. Yeah, I mean, I remember they dipped down to like six in 2003 and four. They got, you know, they came down from seven mm-hmm. to six, but then they went back up. Because, you know, the markets crashed, things happened, uh, and they went back up to eight, nine percent. So you got these people now. Uh, what it does is when you when the rates go down, the borrowing uh, rate goes down. It allows people to afford more home. They can it's the same amount of money. If I had, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to play with, maybe now I can go buy a five hundred thousand dollar home. When definitely more buying power. Yeah. So one of the things on the campaign trail right now, and I didn't originally plan to even have this end of the talk, but the student loan debt. Sure. All right. This is a big elephant in the room. You know, the Bernie Sanders supporters are like, hey, we need to get rid of this debt. My big question is, why? Well, what happens to the people that already paid that debt? So here's what what's, like, what's the rebuttal from on that end? So, you know, it's funny because Elizabeth Warren got herself in a lot of trouble uh, recently before she dropped out of this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gentleman approached her. And said, I have a question. Like, so you're proposing under your plan we could eliminate student loan debt and get a fresh start? He's like, and she's like, yeah, yes. And he goes, okay, so just help me understand this. Would mine, would I get reimbursed for the amount that I paid? And she says, well, no. And he goes, so to be clear, my, my neighbor who didn't do anything didn't stay up late, didn't work hard, didn't work extra shifts to put his kid through college, gets his completely wiped out because he borrowed money, 
and I, who did stay up late, worked extra shifts, saved my money, cut my costs, and did all the things and sacrifice so that I could pay my daughter's tuition so she could come out without having that debt, she is now on equal playing field with the person who didn't sacrifice. How is that fair to me? That's a valid question. So, so yes, it is. What was her response? She got up and walked away. Okay, so if you're running from the for the office of the president of the United States, you, you should have a response for this. I don't know what the response is. The response is, you're right. This is a stupid policy. <laughs> okay, and we, and we need to we need to revisit it because what the issue is is the the debt for <laughs> the real issue is is that people believe that they somehow have to go to college and they have to incur debt in order to do it, which is absolutely that. not the case now. And we all know. And it's been proven. I mean, my goodness, my brother-in-law is an electrician. He's a he's now a foreman and works in the union and didn't go to college. And you know so what? We're, we're probably not going to talk money, but I bet you he does fairly he does well by the very world. Well. He does yeah. very well. And you know what? He doesn't have a debt load. And he knows how to handle his stuff. And he's way ahead of these people who go, why would you go to school if you don't know what you're going to do, go do and you're just going through the motions and you're borrowing money? You go because it's what you're told to do. Yeah. You think that's what you're supposed to do next. Mm -hmm. And it's ludicrous. But then it's even more ludicrous. It's like doubling down on the crazy to say, okay, yeah, no, we're going to wipe that all away. We'll let you have a fresh start. Okay. So let's stop with that. Let's talk about universal basic income. Oh, boy. That's a, actually a very fascinating concept. Uh, What's your take on it? You know what? Um, so as I begin to dive into this topic, I can see how it can be appealing. All right. So we're going to give you each and every American, whether you work or not, $1,500 a month. We're just throwing that number out there. Yeah, I think Andrew Yang said a thousand. Okay, who's like the big proponent of this? So. Okay, um, so here's your allowance. Now you get to use that allowance for paying your bills, buying a car, paying your health care, or whatever necessities you think that you've got, you got to have mm -hmm. in life. I think where the hang up comes. If we can somehow, which I it's like it's like the case of getting rid of the IRS. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, but somewhere over in Europe, they have a basic income just to help the economy start moving. One of the arguments that they're making with this UBI is that Art, Art Van being a perfect example. Okay, Wayfair is a company that they can point the finger at saying this company put us out of business well it's also changing in the times all right we're, we're shifting to an online purchasing society that's the reality right and if you don't change to reality you suffer the consequences of your lack of change okay so we need to think past this here's this quick story last time i was in a taco bell the <laughs> the employee yeah taco bell taco bell i enjoy being burrito just like the rest of them <laughs> Sorry. The the employee comes up and he says, "Oh, you got to come over here and place your order. Here, what do you want? You want a bean burrito?" He starts put he places the order for me. You're programming yourself out of a job, pal. Ugh. Okay. Now somebody still needs to make the food until the burger machine starts 
plopping out burgers. Right. I mean, it's only a matter of time before it's very, very it's automated. I think I saw automated. one with a the pizza. There's a pizza vending machine. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. So so it's there. Here's what happens. All these people are going to be left with jobs, and it's one of the, uh, I don't know if it's a, one of the baseline argument is the right thing to call it, but everybody's going to be out of job, and we need to have some sort of income coming in because everybody's still going to have bills. Unemployment can't pay for everything. So give me universal basic income, and now you can go ahead and train for your education. So basically... The, what it all translates to in my world is inflation. Your property values are going to go up if you're a homeowner because the government's going to print more money that's going to make the money worth less, mm-hmm. which will make your assets worth more. Now, here's, here's, here's the part that I think is the most fascinating part about it. And it's almost going to come full circle in this podcast of when we started. Remember our Amway days, buddy? Yeah. How many times did we end up in front of somebody who's what I would refer to as broke AF? Yeah, all the time. All the time. And what are we coming with? We're saying, hey, here's an opportunity. You know, A lot of times what happens is people get in bad spots because they don't have an opportunity. They don't have a vehicle. They don't have a way to make money. They just sit there and go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So we would show up. And yeah, it might not have been the best method. I mean, sure. gosh, Amway, you know, we could, could talk all day about that, whether or not it's good or bad or whatever. But it was still, at the core root of it, it was an opportunity to buy and sell products and make money, profit. This is an opportunity for you to become a business owner and make money. Yeah. Yes. Built in. You, anybody can do this at any time. In America, you can do anything. You can start buying and selling products. You can go to garage sales. You can pick up products. You can sell them on Craigslist. You can sell them on eBay. It's the same concept, except for Amway had you know specific product lines. It was built in. It was like a business built in, ready to go. But how many times did we sit in front of people and they go, oh, I can't make that much money. I'll lose my benefits. Which is another tie down for universal basic income. All right, you're going to get this, like for, for what they're it's, talking about. Yeah, it's right? literally designed. I started looking at it and going, "Wow!" So, in, because if somebody did that, so let's say they start a, a home business, right? They start making some more money, but there's that gap where they start making enough money, they lose their benefits, they, they their welfare, yes. yeah, and now they're no better off than they were before, except for if they had a UBI in place of welfare and they never lost it. It incentivizes them to actually get out of that situation and be more productive. It doesn't punish them, which in turn, in theory, makes the economy stronger because there's more people being productive. And plus the taxes have got to get paid, yada, yada, all all this stuff down the road. They're now producing and the, the cycle continues. I can see the case for it. I don't know that I would... Here, fully transparent, I could be swayed to support something like that because I see I see where it could go. However, knowing the society and the way that uh, people act, uh, they're going to ask for more and they're going to ask for more. They're not going to be able to manage their $1,500 a month. Then they're not going to have health care coverage. Then they're going to ask for more right. and more. And, and just so discipline, right? Which is why people don't ever become financially successful or financially stable or even be able to 
follow through on a 60-month car payment without defaulting in many cases. You yeah. know, it's discipline, right? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that. But it's also teaching. You know, we could go down the rabbit hole of um, the public education system. Well, you're creating employees. <laughs> I mean, I just posted a thing on Facebook about this math thing. You know, my I have a oh, 10-year-old daughter. Yeah, yeah, right. And she's doing long division math. Uh, and she's like, Daddy, I want to show this to you. And and I'm like, what in God's name is I mean, I can't even follow it. It makes no rhyme or reason. And now, I did not come out and hammer. If you read my post, I did not hammer Common Core Math. I asked for insight. Right. Because it's clearly here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. I don't know what the reason is either. I can't figure it out. And so I have 5,000 followers on Facebook from all across the country. And I just put it out there. And I put a picture of the math problem, which was like three divided by, you know, f- you know into 5,000, right. whatever it was. And I did my problem literally in 12 seconds. Granted, I'm a 43-year-old and I'm really smart with math. So I can do it fast. Now I, I would reach for the calculator. I... I, yeah, okay, well, we're actually doing the real math here. <laughs> so then I have Kiki do it, and it took her seven minutes. And this long explanation, and it's 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 crazy. It's like rounding up the numbers, thousands, adding, doing else. And I'm thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, there's a lot of opportunity for error here. Okay. And the longer it goes on, you know, and we know this from doing a real estate transaction. The longer a real estate transaction goes on, the more likely something's going to go wrong. Right. So let me ask you about the the length of time and the effort, the, the thought effort that goes into that common core math problem. Do you believe that they are, tr- the, the government, whoever who, 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 yeah, public whoever, education. Whoever, okay, so public education is training these kids to think a different way. Well, that the, yes, and I want to know what why, that is why? and why. Why? Because it doesn't seem efficient and it doesn't seem effective. Now I could be wrong, and I'm I'm just waiting for someone to. I've know, not. I've, I've followed it. No, yeah, I got like 50 comments, and 100 percent of the comments were like, "This is stupid. We don't know why." It's okay, like so we got to get past this. The fact Correct. that it's stupid, because now that's you know the okay the fact the ostriches put their head in the sandwich. <laughs> they don't, but we're going to talk about it because you're just going to ignore the problem. Right. And now what? Now we just we got to understand and this. And the core of it. So if you do a, a UBI, I mean, part of this has to come with some strings. That I'm more likely to do a UBI than I am to guarantee healthcare, mostly because I just fundamentally don't believe in enslaving professions. You know, for me to say you are guaranteed of the right to healthcare means that there has to be a doctor who studied, stayed up late, worked hard, passed their boards, and now they're being dictated to that they have to do something. And anytime we do that in America, I'm very Well, unseen. you open the conversation with, you know, I'm very unemployable with the family business. You start telling doctors, you and, and there's, there's a healthy person. amount of ego in that profession. You Not only do you have to see this person, but here's how much you're going to get. Right. Wow. I imagine that the quality of care will, pro- even though you've got this oath and everything else, quality of care, it, it could go down. I'm not going to say that. How, I, how long would it be before housing's a health care, or housing's a right? It's an American right to have housing. And you and I, as real estate agents, we have to go work with these people. And oh, by the way, we don't get to tell them what we charge. We, we get a blanket amount from the government. Right. 
That is not freedom, my friend. No, it's not. Anytime you get into uh, enslaving another person's skill, talent, and ability, and that's what it is, and I use that word very specifically, and nobody wants to be enslaved, that's not what freedom is. Anytime you do that, we're losing our freedoms, and it's ridiculous. And if you don't do what you're told... Go to jail. Or you're going to get sued. Yeah. When's when's the last time you got sued? (laughs) I have no no comment at this time. (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) (laughs) What I've learned about lawsuits is anybody can sue anybody. That doesn't make them right. Absolutely. Um, Well, that's a a good segment point for an advertisement. (laughs) Yeah, right there. Um, This podcast brought to you by... Dylan and Dylan attorneys. Law, law firm. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, law firm. <laughs> anyway, wow. uh, you know, it just comes down to having skill sets, too. Like, learning these things. And I, I'm like, why are we teaching parallelograms when we could teach people how to pay taxes? How to balance a budget? I had one class in high school that taught personal finances and how to manage checkbooks. And you know what? I still, I would never, I, I still, I don't know how to balance a checkbook. I have my wife do that. <laughs> or I would have my accountant do that. Shout out to Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. <laughs> Thank you, honey. I love you. Uh, but you've got these... Okay, let's talk about the uh, the elephant, the uh, monkey, the fish, all standing in a row. And the test is climb this tree. Who's going to do the best job? That's going to be the monkey, the because fi- the fish and the elephant can't right. do it, right? Yeah, isn't it Einstein who said that? If you keep telling the fish that they're stupid because they can't climb a tree, that they're going to think they're stupid? Yeah. Something like I've that. I've not studied them. Uh, but, you know, I think that that's, that's worth going in and, and diving into some of the classics and, and, and learning. Well, one of the best parts about America is the fact that we allow people to, quote, find themselves and pursue their passions and ultimately that's resulting in the economy that we have which is allowing people to do what they want to do and provide a living instead of steering them from an entrepreneur type standpoint capitalistic type of uh, a scenario rather than the liberal arts student that just goes to school forever and i'll I'll just stop there right (laughs) Um, you got to produce Right, you got to figure out a way to produce. Well, I mean, at the end, I mean, when you're starting out, I think that's the problem. A lot of people in in uh, that I've run into have this fundamental glitch where they think that they confuse entitlement with uh, their responsibility. You are responsible for yourself. What's the difference? Like entitlement versus responsibility. Entitlement is somebody else is going to take care of this for me. I'm entitled to this benefit. Whatever it is. Okay, so let's let's stop right there, real quick, because I made I just made the mention of not balancing a checkbook. Right. I'll have somebody else do that for me because yeah. I've not trained my brain to learn how to do that, or I just don't want to do it, and I want to provide a job. Right. But you still got into a relationship with someone who cares and loves for you, uh, the point that they're willing to offset that skill and allow you to go do what you're really good at, and they do what they're really good at. Yes. Yeah, so yes. And you got a relationship. In this case, yes. it's a marriage. Yep. Right? So that's being responsible, not feeling entitled. Now, if you decided, like, I just don't want to do this and I don't care, you know, be damned the consequences, that's irresponsible and going to cause a burden on essentially the rest of us. See, the other part I have a problem with uh, the entitlement part of it 
is um, what if <laughs> what if the healthcare thing goes in and we all have to pay that mandatory like I'm not paying for healthcare for the rest of the country. We're all contributing. Okay, with the Affordable Care Act? Yeah, that, that's whatever. Right. Okay, got it. And whatever they end up calling it. If somebody gets elected and says, this is my idea, and everybody, it's now a right, we're going to have your taxes, we're all going to pool in, and we're essentially going to be all on the same situation. You know what? I'm going to call bullshit on the people smoking. Because that, we know, causes lung cancer. That, we know, causes problems. You can't do that now. Now I'm taking away your freedom to choose to be an idiot. Which, America is the greatest country in the world because you can be an idiot. And how do you, how do you police that? And then you're going to start exactly. putting people in jail for smoking or whatever. A yeah, slippery slope, I mean, like, right? It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Like, what, what if you see somebody who's fat? Like, I'm not exactly, I'm not in bad shape, but I'm not in great shape. Mm-hmm. I have high blood pressure. I'm getting a higher blood pressure even talking about this topic. So we're going to go ahead and penalize you because Because of now, that? now because of my choices, because maybe I have a bad day and I want to go, you know, tie one on and I'm going to go get drunk. I remember the first time I heard that term was... Tie one the, on. <laughs> you, went, you went and tied one on with the boys last night, didn't you? Why? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? But yeah, I mean, you get, you get hammered and now you're being irresponsible. We have penalties for people who drink and drive. Right. Uh, but imagine opening that up tenfold. Just oh, now you are a health, you know, you're a health risk. If you don't do what we say, you're going to be penalized. And because who the of hell it. is we? Exactly. I, I asked that in school once, and I couldn't get a straight answer. Who are, who are they? Coach uh, Detter was who his are name. They? they they say the uh, American Heart Association. They say I said who are they? Who are these people you talk about? Anyhow, anyway, uh, so I, I just think. It's a slippery slope going down that road. Well, controlling others. That's right? what it's all about. You've got a daughter. Yeah. You tried to control her before? How's that work it out? never goes well. Never works out. I tried to brush teeth last night and that didn't work out. How about you ever tried to control your spouse? Yikes. Okay, good luck with that. Do what I say <laughs> or else. Yeah, it doesn't hey, work do out. Do what I say, not as I do. Well, well that's Congress. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, <laughs> or or else we're going to fill your life with fear. Yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Let's talk some predictions. Let's future cast for our audience. Okay, right now the Dow. Down 1,064. It's 2,239 20, and it's fluctuating. 23,900 and it's fluctuating. It's been down, what, 17% roughly over the past... It was at uh, its peak, what, three weeks ago? 29,000 points? Yeah, it, it never broke 30. Never broke it. Well, not yet. Like 29.5. So you're down quite substantially. You're down at least 17% in three weeks. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a shift. Is it? I mean, is it that, or is it the fact that people are freaking out about this virus, coronavirus? They're they're buying all type. I did. I swear. Like so, I walked through the mire uh, probably a week ago when we first started to hear about. Hey, you need to stockpile your stuff. And the Charmin. There was other brands of toilet paper, but the Charmin was gone. <laughs> Now, I don't know if that's a vote for uh, confidence for this brand or if it was the fact that these shipping containers... 
I've got a very smart um, uh, person on, on my Facebook feed that comes up from time to time. And he mentioned that if you have any uh, like commercially available goods that you need that you're in love with, that you enjoy, you need to buy this stuff because shipping is starting to stop. It takes me back to the day when we were in the downturn, 2008, 2009, I would drive by this shipping container yard on 96, basically 96 in Greenfield. There's a shipping container yard, and that yard was basically empty. Now you've got containers that are you know stacked you know fifty containers long and then four containers high, um, but all those containers carry goods that we have that we consume whether it's canned goods from China or I mean, a lot of stuff comes from China. Let's just call it what it is. China, China. <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow, the Charmin was basically non-existent on the shelf, so people were in a panic. They were shutting them. They were canceling school. They're ha- that's happening right now, right? Yeah. No, what did you just say? U.S. I just saw that you? Michigan State uh, canceled classes in person and now is hosting online sessions only. How much of this is just a test to see? What happens how- if Bernie Sanders wins? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but how they can keep us in our house. It's a mandatory do not drive, do not go to the stores today or whatever for online. Like, let's just move to online shipping right now. Start your Amway business and let's go ahead and <laughs> and start and start building it call out. Dean, and it, call yeah, Dean today. Call me. We'll get you set up here. Uh, 248-765-4748. Thank you. But yeah, no, I mean, this, so the media is trying to control us, right? If the stock market's freaking out, like the stock market jumped uh, when... And I don't know a thousand. Let's call it a thousand points because that's easy to happen in a day right now. Yeah. The other the other day, the market just completely shut down. They stopped trading, but the market jumped a thousand points the other day because it was Joe Biden that took a couple primaries as opposed to Bernie Sanders. And as we know, Bernie Sanders is campaigning for you know basically giving everything away, and the healthcare stocks rose because oh thank God he didn't get he didn't get the vote. <laughs> Biden's our best case scenario. And that's how this stuff has got to operate. We have no control over it. It's one of the things I like real estate. Oh, another quick, let me get off in this rant real quick. For those people out there that are out there on their Facebook posts saying, oh, while the stock market is tanking, my real estate portfolio is 100%. <laughs> well, guess what, guys? You're next. Because if this doesn't get handled and people don't start thinking properly, Property values can, I mean, we're, the cruise ship is making its U-turn. That's why I sold my properties over in Hazel Park. Yeah. Now, I don't think the market's going to crash. And if you need to buy a home, buy a home. Buy something that makes sense. But be smart with your money. If the moral of this whole conversation is educate yourself, form your own opinions, think for yourself, filter it through a brain cell, execute. I couldn't have said it better myself. That was inspired, man. Bam. Boom. I've enjoyed hanging out with you, man. This has been good. Yeah, we should do it episode two. We should. Any last thoughts? No, no. Just, you know, so, yes. Actually. No, no. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Now that you're poking me with this pride, (laughs) this cattle pride. I gave Dean the, he gave me the no, I kind of cocked my head one way, and now the other way, and then I gave him the bug eyes, like, hey, give me something. 
listen, you've you've got you don't you weren't not created with a spirit of fear. All right, you got to understand that. You're not here to be controlled by fear. There's people out here that are ultimately looking to control you. Okay, we just talked about controlling the spouses and controlling the kids. Don't fall into that trap. For those of you that have ears, ears to hear, understand what I just said. There's people out there that want to control you. Think for yourself. What else can I say? Pray. Pray. Spend time in the Word. Be led by the Spirit. Awesome. Thanks for being on, man. You got it. Catch you next week, fellas, and uh, over and out.